From VelsVTech comes a weekly digital series that shares its insights, concepts, and findings from years of learning and mentorship. Welcome to VelsVTech Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Phil Svitek, if you couldn't tell by the intro, and I appreciate that you're here. Normally, I do weekly lessons hosted by myself, but as of late, I've been doing a couple of interviews. The goal still being that you as creatives want to put something out into the world, and I am of the belief that in order to do that, you also need to master mental fortitude, which is often overlooked, because it's one thing to have the right technical skills, but you need that mental fortitude in order to essentially not have the wheels come off the wagon, right? And so today I am joined by my dear friend, Lauren Grasso. She is a musician. She is a podcast producer. She is a host. She is, there's so many things that she is, and we're going to go over (laughs) all of them. And by the way, as you hear some of the things in the background, we are, I, I call that audio verite. We are filming in my my house, normally I have a different setup, but I uh, figured for two people we'll do it this way, and that is uh, my dogs in the background. One of them is chewing a toy, the other one right now is napping, so if you hear snores, it's not me being bored of the conversation. <laughs> Thank God. And by the way, it's not a toy, it's a huge-ass bone. Yes, indeed. Am I allowed to swear on your show? I try to do avoid it. Do you try to keep it light? All right, I'll censor myself. So I, f- I figured out, let's let's start here. What do you? This is there's so many different forms to you as far as your creativity. What mm-hmm. do you relate to most? Is it your music? Is it your hosting? It's audio in general. So okay. I say all the time, audio is the most powerful medium because I believe it has the power to really take the consumer on a journey, and really imagine in a way that maybe reading does, but. Besides that, there's not a lot of other mediums that allow the person to really have that theater of the mind and go on a completely personal journey with the product they're consuming. Okay. And so what what was your first audio experience, whether whether Ooh. as a consumer and then conversely as an artist? So musically, the the song I really remember hitting me the most as a child was a song called You Gotta Be. By, I think it's pronounced Desray. Okay. And me and my dad used to dance around my house to that song. And I don't think I understood it at the time, but it was because not only did it have a great beat and something that drove your soul, but the lyrics were also so strong and so positive. So that would probably be my first music. My first audio was the Mitch Album show in Detroit. I used to listen to him and think, wow, it would be so cool to do that someday. And then the thing that really made me fall in love with it was Cosmo Radio on Sirius XM. Because I realized in, in that instant that talk radio and, and now podcasting has the ability to really be someone's friend. I mean, it's, it's your friend in your ears, in yeah. your head. Yeah. And it, that was the most transformative, I think, audio experience I'd ever had up until that point. I think there's, I forget the... I forget the location and who the ad was for, but it was essentially uh, a, a child listening to a podcast with his earphones, and it looks like a round table, and yeah. he's like a part of the round table. Aw. See, that's what it should be. It should feel like you're in the room with those people. If If a host is really good, then you feel like you're the co-host with them. The mm-hmm. listener's the co-host. Yes, indeed. So speaking of that, speaking of podcasts... You have just unleashed 
Oh! The Inner Creative, <laughs> which is a pun on uh, the, the title of the show, which is Unleash uh, Your Inner Creative, right? That's right. Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren Legrasso. Had to get my name in there. Had to. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing, you know, I, I think people need to know that it's that it's you doing it and you deserve that. But tell me, tell me about the show and in particular this theory that you have that everyone is creative whether or not they're a lawyer they're a dentist doesn't matter it's not just a painter essentially right so the show took many different names first of all and and concepts because your girlfriend and i juliet started working on this show last april so that just goes to show how wild and long the creative process can be because now almost a year later we're getting ready to release a completely different show but it originated in an idea of like I knew I wanted to do something with with creativity and how difficult it is to be pursuing a creative life and a creative path and, and tools to overcome that difficulty. So it started out being called Getting There. Come. And then it shifted into fear of failure with Lauren Legrasso because I realized that that was my greatest fear, which is obviously deeply tied to creativity and whether or not you get something out. And then it shifted into a show called How to Be an Artist, which the concept there was Everyone is an artist. They might just not know it yet. And I wanted to redefine the word artist to mean anybody who approaches life more creatively than they have to. And finally, I realized if you have to explain the show name that much, it's probably not the right name. So Unleash Your Inner Creative was birthed. And I really do believe that every person in the world has creativity in them. And if if they feel like they're lacking it, it's actually proven. There are studies out there that show that you can build up your creativity. So the other part of why I wanted to do the show is because through the Goop podcast, I found out that in 50 years, 80% of all jobs are going to be in creative fields. So it's imperative that if we want to support ourselves and live a good life, we learn how to access creativity and to use it in our day to day. So the other the other part, like I'm giving you 19 answers for your one question, but the other part maybe it requires that. The other part was I realized a lot of the world's this. This is the quote that I came up with. So much of the world's suffering comes from repressed creativity, whether that's a life unlived, a child that you wanted that you never got to have dying with your music still in you. That's a, a quote by Wayne Dyer. But when we don't express ourselves to the fullest extent, then we suffer. And so if I could help people with this show and with with figuring out how to bring this creativity out, I think that I could lessen the world's suffering in a small way and and that would make me feel really good. And when you when you say like inner creativity, because I also look at it um you could be you could be a housewife and if you find a more creative way to go about those duties, then so be it. If you're you know, I, I, I always try to find the good in things. And so I, I look at it like no matter what you're doing, if you're doing a seemingly mundane task as cutting the grass. Yes. Okay, well, how, how can you do it more creatively? That's exactly it, Phil. One of the things I say, and I'm, I'm being censored, so I can't say it. But <laughs> one of the things I say is even if you're cleaning up dog beep, you can fill in the blank. So dog poop, you can find a creative way to do that. Now, some people counter me and say, but why would you want to do that? Well, I don't know. Maybe it will be more fun. Maybe it will be more efficient. And it also helps you in those other areas of your life, like work or raising your child, where you do need to be creative to access that more quickly. If we practice creativity in the mundane, we're able to access it 
much more easily in the deep moments of life. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good way of saying it. Absolutely. And uh, what can people look forward to with the podcast in particular? So is it, you know, the format is primarily you interviewing people? Yes. Primarily. I want to eventually get to more of a kind of talk radio feel where there's some banter going on and then go into the interview. But I want people to get to know me first before I jump into that. So right now the format is regular intro, then I introduce the guests with clips inserted, then into the interview, then outro. Okay. All right. And what are the first few episodes people can look at, like, subject-wise? Subject-wise. So the first person I interview is an entrepreneur, and she's also a writer and a podcaster. And I don't know, I have like eight interviews banked, but I'm not sure the exact order. But so far I have a, a guitar teacher, a small, well, she wants to be a big business owner, but she's got a startup business. She's young. She's only 26. She started that out. Um, my friend back home who owns her own business, a lot of business owners. Cause I think that's something that's so inherently creative, uh, a musician, a, a, this lady who is like a cross between someone who creates live shows and she creates products for musicians. And she's also an artist herself. So lots of different types. And I'm, I mean, eventually I'd like to interview my dentist, I think she's got a really creative approach to dentistry. So, and I do want to be thinking about getting some bigger names on there just so we can help prop. Because, you know, just a little spoiler alert, like it helps when you get bigger people on your show if you're not a name yourself. But I do want to show a multitude of people ranging from, yes, a stay-at-home mom who approaches parenting really creatively to an accountant who approaches accounting in a creative yet legal way to a singer. I think that there's such a wide range of creativity and a wide range of creatives. And I want to access all of that so that people have the best chance of doing it themselves. All right, fantastic. So shifting gears, let me ask you something that's kind of been on my mind as of late. And it's this notion of, as an artist, you want to be creating things like that, which can come off as a very selfish act. So how do you balance pursuing your art while also supporting other artists out there? Because it just seems like everyone, you know, the consumer is also the creator. And eventually, like, it feels like there's this bubble that's going to burst if... There's going to be more creatives than there are consumers. Yeah, I I think that while there are a lot of creators right now and probably more than ever in human history, there are also more consumers and more active consumers than ever in human history. So let me clarify it this way then, uh, just to dig a little bit deeper. Um, Deep. Because I feel like even from my perspective, I support a lot of, you know, I'll listen to, let's say, the Tim Ferriss show Mm -hmm. or... Or whatever else, right? Adam Carolla, doesn't matter. And, but I have a hard time kind of almost keeping up with my friends, Mm. it seems like. And ironically, you know, if I had to define it for myself, like I'd like to support them more in essence because they're, you know, A, we're peers, there's that human connection. Um, But for one, it's not the, you know, it has no bearing on like the work that they do but it, for some reason it's just more difficult than it is to support people i don't know well probably because you know them the people you don't know have some level of mystery and mystique to them so you feel like you're getting to hang out with those people in a way when you listen to them whereas for me you better listen to my podcast but we talk like every day so yeah. it's not going to be as oh i wonder what lauren's up to because you could just call me and ask me 
Um, but I think that that's also something that's really specific to L.A. My mm-hmm. friends back home, they don't have any friends who are making podcasts. Back home is Michigan, Detroit. So I'm probably the only person of all my friends back home who will have something like that out. So I would only assume that that's the same for other people in other states. Well, what do you think? There's also this trepidation on a lot of people's part to essentially tap into their friends' network because they don't, Mm -hmm. you you know, everyone's time is precious and they don't want to be taken advantage of it. And I get that. Um, But if you look at statistically, let's, you know, even looking at Kickstarter campaigns or anything else, they say the most successful ones are the ones that take advantage of their inner circle, essentially. So, A, why is there that fear? B, is there, how do you do it in a way that, isn't taxing to your friends and isn't uh, uh, disingenuous. I think the fear comes from not feeling good enough and feeling like whatever you're doing is some sort of burden rather than it being a service. I feel really deeply about what I'm doing right now that it is a service. So I, for the first time in my whole creative life, actually don't have that feeling. The other thing I've realized is that you cannot get anywhere without asking for help. So... I've done that repeatedly through this, and I think that's why it's the very first project that I've done that wasn't given to me as a work exercise or there wasn't some greater boss that I'm putting out because I asked for help and people rose to the occasion. So Mm -hmm. I would say to any creative out there who's looking to do something, don't be afraid to ask for help. Also realizing that for me right now, my mind isn't on marriage, it's not on babies, but this is my baby. This is my birth right Mm -hmm. now. I'm birthing this project into the world. So my friends wouldn't feel weird about inviting me to a baby shower or a wedding. I look at this as the same level of love and of a momentous occasion. Mm -hmm. And so I think that my friends and peers have been rising to the occasion because I've been putting it out there that way. Okay. Uh, I think that's a very eloquent answer. So let's let's shift into your music. Shift. What <laughs> what type of music resonates with you and what type of music do you want to put out into the world? Any music that makes me feel something resonates with me. I love lyrically deep music. Right now I'm on Chance the Rapper. <laughs> Chance the Rapper is my favorite and if you haven't listened to him you have to get on him right away. Okay, he- so give me an example of what re- what Give me a, like a lyric of his and what resonates about it. Um, gosh, everything. I love all of his songs. He has one song that's literally a gospel song for the first two minutes. You don't even hear his voice until like two minutes, 30 seconds. Okay. He has one song that's all about angels and about how much he loves Chicago. And um, let me think. I don't know. It's, it's, his song is it's not just lyrics, too. It's the way he makes you feel. Oh, same drugs. This this lyric, ooh, when I heard it, I fell to my knees, literally, but not really literally. I'm using that in the way that most millennials use it. Figuratively fell to my knees, but it got me in my gut. You were always perfect. Mm-hmm. I was only practice. And what, what does that mean? You were only perfect. You were always perfect. I was only practice. So this person... To me, I took it as this person was the love of your life and the one. You were always perfect. You were the one for me, but I was only practice for you. Mm. Anyone mm. who's experienced unrequited love in their life, that one 
will hit you like a ton of bricks. Well, when it comes to music, like, what's the what's the right balance to have commercially successful music or just any art really, mm-hmm. while also having that deeper meaning? Because I look at like a lot of people will cite Kanye, and he was deep, you know, Jesus walks mm-hmm. and all that. Now he's doing songs about uh, I'm a sick fuck. I like a quick fuck. <laughs> Which, you know, hey, very artful in its own way. It is. It, but but what are you really kind of attributing to the world? You're stating kind of what most of us probably are deep down, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Maybe not. I'm going through this right now because I've been working on my album for three years, which is it feels like the longest time ever. But I am told by some people I trust that it's not as long as it sounds for an album. But at first, the music just didn't fit the time. So you have to make the music sound like it fits in the era it does. Or if it doesn't, then it has to have a reason why it's reoccurring now or why it's coming to be for the first time. But we realized with the the tracks that we had that they were, first of all, like lyrically not even up to snuff and that the vocals needed to be recut and that the sound that we had curated was something that was really based more in the 80s, early 90s. So we had to go back to the drawing board and kind of reconfigure what was authentic to me, first of all, because I went into that situation. My producer is absolutely incredible, changed my life both on a music level and on a spiritual level. He introduced me to my therapist, which let me tell you, is Mm -hmm. probably the best thing that ever happened to me. But when we went into it, I didn't have enough faith in myself as a musician to be able to express what I wanted. I didn't even know what I wanted. And mm-hmm. that's something to know. You know, you can have the best person in the world, the most talented person. My producer's a Grammy Award winner. He was just doing his best to interpret what I was giving him. But because I went in directionless, it created an issue. And now we're having to go back to the drawing board. And thank God he's understanding and believes in me. But basically, I think you have to do what feels authentic to you and you have to have vision. If you do that, and you're aware of what the trends are right now, and you're aware of what you want your sound to be, it will fit into being commercial in some way. So when you get the news that essentially, and you can sort of recap it in your own way, because I don't know this story, but you get the news that essentially you have to redo everything, you mm-hmm. know, page one rewrite. What is What goes through your mind when that happens? Because I know plenty of people that would be kicking and screaming and just very upset, but it seems like you took it in strides and we're like, okay, this is the best thing for the project, so let's do it. The first thing that came to my head was a word that starts with F and ends with K, really loudly. And then the second thing that came to my head, uh, really about five, like not even five minutes, probably one minute later was, okay, we have to do this. Mm -hmm. Because you can do something and you can put it out, but if you don't put it out the right way and in a way that's authentic to you, then I would have just hemorrhaged over three years, thousands of dollars into a project that would have gone nowhere and at the end of the day not represented what I really felt called to put out into the world. So I had to dig deep and say, all right, Let's go back to the drawing board. And I was really lucky that my team was on board with it. My producer was all for it, believed in me and said, yes, let's go for it. This lady, this mentor who I've been working with, Carrie Cole, was all for it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. 
So I was very blessed. I had a very bad incident happen with my music video director, unfortunately, and I had to um, part ways with him because he was not as understanding and Mm -hmm. tried to force me into doing the video. But, you know, it's interesting. Times like that really show you who believes in you and who's there for you and who's looking at you like you're a favor. And my one piece of advice to any creative is never do work with or at least don't partner with somebody who looks at you as a favor. Okay. Are there any giveaways in terms of how you can tell that? It's a gut thing. It's a gut thing. Or sometimes people literally tell you, you just really, you need to listen. Sometimes they'll actually verbatim tell you, I'm doing this as a favor to you. But sometimes it's a gut thing and sometimes they tell you in small ways. For me, this person that I was working with didn't listen to any of my ideas, shut me down the whole time. The budget was constantly expanding in a way that I didn't feel comfortable with. So there were little cues the whole time that he didn't respect me. Mm -hmm. But I disregarded it because I'd known this person since I was 18. He's very, very talented. I will say that till the day I die. But he was looking at me like a favor. And that's fine. But... I'm only going to work with people from now on who see the light in me and want to make that bigger. Okay. Fair enough. Um, you mentioned uh, that, that your music producer, right, uh, turned you on to a therapist. And that, that yes. was life-altering. Yes. Was that your first time in therapy or just the therapist themselves? So I've been in therapy before. I went... With this, I went with this lady. I do look at it a lot like dating. I don't know how you feel about it. But my first therapist was great. She was a great first relationship. Okay. A really good starter therapist. She got me really understanding what boundaries were and how to detach from situations that were unhealthy. Not literally detached because it was a lot of the relationships I was working through were family relationships. But how to kind of spiritually detach so you don't take on that energy. So she was great. But Jessica, she is the next level because she is a licensed psychotherapist. She also is an energy healer. And on top of that, she does this thing called core energetics or the specific type that she does is called radical aliveness. So basically, this is how it goes. You have a foam block that she pulls into the center of the room. Then there's a tennis racket And then you wear gloves. And this sounds wild to someone who hasn't heard this before, but I know you understand because you're well-versed in how our body stores trauma. Mm -hmm. And so whatever you're working on, she'll have you say as you arch your back and hit down as hard as you can with a tennis racket on the foam block. So when I first went in there, again, because the things that we're working on, they're never really over. It's like, I'll be working on setting boundaries for the rest of my life because that's one of my lessons. So, Well, the boundaries also change as yeah, you change. You right, know? and they have to get bigger and they're harder to set. So I was working on boundaries when I first went in there again. And so I would say no. I would take the, the tennis racket, arch my back, hit it down as hard as I could on the phone block and say, no, no. And all of a sudden you're crying and you see flashes of things that happened when you were a child, flashes of things at work, flashes of things from your relationship. And I would leave there feeling like someone had taken a brick off of my chest. Mm-hmm. So my, my 
work with Jessica has been by far the most profound change and work that I've been able to make in my life. And really what I think has allowed me to do everything good that I'm doing now and to step into being a woman versus being a little girl. Mm-hmm. And so beyond just Jessica, because obviously, you know, she might be Not just, everyone can get a Jessica. <laughs> but they can get somebody else. I yeah. mean, um, you know, I, w- I want to talk to you about kind of your belief as to the importance of, of therapy, of mental health, because especially now when you look at it, uh, just so many studies come out how where everything we focus on is, is so the external and yet mentally we're unfulfilled left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, for me, there, there was a huge stigma for a long time about therapy and anyone who went to therapy, it's like, oh, look at that guy. He needs a shrink. Right. And it's like, well, actually, no, like, yeah, everyone needs a shrink. Yeah. If you want to term it that way. I have a lot of thoughts on this, Phil. So growing up Italian Catholic, it was a huge stigma to go to therapy. I actually told my mom when I was 15, I, mom, I think I need to go to therapy. And, and by no fault of her own, but she just had her own baggage with that word and wasn't able to help me do that. So I knew from a young age that that was some sort of self-improvement I wanted, but what I've really come to understand through working on myself and self-development, because that's what it is at the end of the day, is that if you do not have your mental health, you do not have anything else. It is the first thing you should spend your money on, even above physical health, because if you're not well up here, there's no way that your body's going to be okay. So mental health first, physical health second. That's how I look at it. And when I came to Jessica, her rates were expensive, but I realized if I don't invest in this, the rest of my life isn't going to go the way I want it to go. I feel every human being walking this earth, just even if you had the most blessed childhood and everything's been seemingly perfect in your life, just being a human being and dealing with the world that we're in right now requires working on yourself and giving yourself tools to deal with people and technology and life. So I recommend for every single person to do it. It's only going to help you. Well, I also, I also look at it from my perspective, what, what, what I'm able to do, you would kind of expand the limits of your own uh, thinking. And right. when you can kind of collectively tap into that as a humanity, I, I look at some of the stuff that's being made, both from a neuroscience perspective, like any, any sort of discipline. People are doing some amazing, freaky stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wowed. And, and yet, mentally... I'm sure all all of them have limitations. And if we could just continue to better ourselves, then, man, this the stuff we could do. Yeah. It makes us much closer to limitless. Yeah. And I think, too, like we talked about, it's a lifelong battle, you know, just because you go to one or two years of therapy doesn't mean you're done with your self-development. You have to keep working those tools because, like you said, and like Jen Sincero said, new level, new devil. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Sincera, uh, the, the, the You Are a Badass. Yes. Author of You Are a Badass. Yes. Yes, new indeed. level, new devil. I really liked that one because it's true. Just when you think you've conquered something, you have to approach it on a higher scale. Well, anyway, you know, it would be very boring. Like, take it from a creative perspective. Once you've mastered a certain type of, um, let's say, uh, you know, painting, right? Take painting. Mm-hmm. Once you've mastered a certain style, then it's why repeat it? 
it's not going to fulfill you the same way. There's that law of diminishing returns, and so you want to be like, okay, well, I, you know, let me do some abstract painting now. Right. Let me let me use only bright colors instead of any darks. So it, you know you and you start to learn new things about how you do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't. What, what else interests you as a as a creative person? Like what you know? There, there's I have my list of things that like I wonder about in the world. But what what are some of the things that you question daily and you know perhaps struggle with oh so like personal flaws it doesn't have to be personal flaws but like you know i'll give you an example mine is like social media you know and i'm still grappling with it like i see the the positive effects of it Mm -hmm. but i also see the, the deep dark negative effects as well right well i am a pretty optimistic person so i tend to think people are usually good and i think i've been pretty lucky to have a lot of good people in my life because I think I put that out there. But how, how do you avoid getting burned by the people that are not good? I don't think you can avoid them. And I shouldn't say that I've never dealt with negative people. I've dealt with a ton. <laughs> but I think my blessing and curse is that I always see the best in people. So that's a great thing because I see the best in them. But also, it's a hard thing when there is that negative energy there. I, th- I think that once I've discovered it, which I hope to get to a place where I'm still seeing the best in people, but more discerning, that's something I'm working on. But when I do discover that they're not for me, I don't sink to their level and I get really business-like. That's the tactic I've learned that's recently. So, so with this, the music video situation I was telling you about, that person came at me and they were hurling insults at me and calling me names and saying all kinds of terrible things. But every time they would come at me with that, I would say, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I need from you. We had to finish out our business negotiation. So I would just state the facts. Instead of taking the bait and going back and saying, well, you're doing this and this and this, I just stayed down the center and business-like. And I, I find that to be the best way to deal with people who are unsavory in any way Mm -hmm. just stay down the center and state the facts okay i've also i don't know if this is exactly it but i've also heard you talk about uh, essentially reversing and just kind of calling them out and questioning them like okay Mm -hmm. you know right now you're being very rude let's say you know what a do you know you're coming off that way and b like why the hostility yeah well i think maybe you're talking about the guy in the parking garage (laughs) Yes, uh, this is an inside story about there was a parking garage guy that was not so pleasant and Lauren confronted him. Well, that's a thing I've been trying lately, especially with strangers. It's sometimes easier to try things out with strangers than people you know really well. That'd be a tip for dealing with difficult people. So when you encounter a difficult person in public, just be curious. So this guy was being really rude to me in the parking garage. I was trying to get my parking validated, which usually is no problem. But he said no. And so I got out my $20 and I was paying him and he's still being rude. And I asked for a receipt, which I didn't think was an unreasonable request. He's being very angry. And I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He goes, okay. I go, why are you mad at me? And he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm having a really hard day. My son is in the hospital. Now this guy was, the way he said it was so strange that I thought, what, maybe his son's not actually in the hospital. But after that, instead of like, you know, being cynical and and questioning it out loud, of course, (laughs) I just looked at him and I said, okay, what's your son's name? And he said, Jimmy. And I said, okay, I'll pray for him. 
And so every time I went to get like angry about the way that guy treated me, because he did treat me really aggressively and unkind, I went to pray for Jimmy. Now, whether or not Jimmy exists, who knows? Uh, Jimmy's getting a lot of prayers somewhere out there. But at least it was like a positive thing I put out into the world instead of sitting there stewing, putting my energy into something that honestly wasn't going to get me any return in the end anyway. Yeah, I think there's a very famous... Uh, commencement speech called "This Is Water." It's more of a speech, but it, it you is showed a that to me once. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I think the the point of that story is really about taking us away from our default settings, which is you know to be so narcissistic. Ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great quote that says, "You know, everything in your own life uh, continues this belief that you are the absolute center of the universe, just because like you can't have another person's experience, but you can keep reminding yourself of moments like that." And I think. Uh, you know, the the story that you just told is really about that of like, okay, rather than just me be upset, he's upset, but then rather than just me be upset at him for being upset, let me just figure out what's going on. Can I share one other tool for dealing with a sure. difficult person? So this is something I discovered recently that really helps. So if someone is being cruel to you or just difficult, picture them as a little kid. And it's a lot harder because that's all we're ever really doing, right? We're, we're reacting as our inner child. Anytime we're triggered, that's what's happening. So it's a lot harder to be triggered yourself by somebody who you're picturing as their inner child. And a lot of times, like there was one person that I was dealing with that, how do I put it? <laughs> they, they, I felt like they were trying to get me in trouble. Mm-hmm. And when I, I dealt, when I like tapped into the guy's energy and tapped into his inner child, I realized that he was just a little kid trying to prove that he was good enough. So he felt like I was somehow threatening that. And so that's why he was reacting to me that way. So once I tapped into that, weirdly enough, it kind of stopped happening. Okay. So I know that's very woo-woo, but it does help. If nothing else, it helps you have more compassion for the person because we're all just wounded kids walking around in adult bodies. I'm trying to process that for me because I, I want to do it from the spirit of which is intended rather than like belittling them. Yeah, well, that's if you're going to do that, then I don't recommend you do it because then you're not <laughs> belittling an adult. You're belittling a child. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the whole point of it is to have more compassion for that person because when you feel compassionate, it's pretty hard to access anger or disdain. Yeah, absolutely. Well, any final words of advice for the captive audience or anywhere Mm. that you want to direct them to beyond just unleash your inner creative? Words of advice. I would say if you have something to say, say it. Do all you can to help other people be their, their truest version of themselves. Be more kind and more compassionate than you think you have to be because everybody is suffering. I didn't make that up, but I do believe that. And lead with love. And you can find me at Lauren LaGrasso on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go follow Unleash Your Inner Creative on Instagram and Facebook. And it's at you are you as in umbrella. <laughs> And ours in rare. <laughs> you uh, are creative on yeah. Twitter. It was very Twitter is very annoying with their character limits. 
All right. Well, I will certainly include all those links <laughs> yeah, in the description box do. down below. Oh, and below. go and rate, review, and subscribe to Unleash Your Inner Creative. It really helps grow. And uh, what I ultimately want this to be is a creative tribe where people like us and you can come together and just support each other and support mm-hmm. someone's art. If mm-hmm. someone you know is doing something creative and they ask for your help, help them. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Lauren, for being a part of this. Now, before you click away to another episode of mine, I do encourage you to also rate, comment uh, about this episode. If there's any questions you had further from Lauren, she is a dear friend. And uh, if there's enough of these, we can do a follow-up. I'm just going to volunteer her already. I love it. I'm back. I'll be back anytime for a Phil Svitek podcast, as long as I can get this sweet cup again. That's right. (laughs) He's got custom mugs if you're an audio-based friend. Absolutely. And one of the best gifts you can do to support this show is just to pass it on to a friend, coworker, family member. It doesn't matter. It's free to you, free to them. But if you found some value in this, then perhaps so will they. At least give them that shot, right? And a couple other things. You know, if you're new to this podcast, by all means, I encourage you to subscribe if you like what you just heard. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Ah, uh, man. Uh, all the places. Uh, are all, You're in Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Stitcher. Uh, probably Most YouTube, Facebook. Stitcher. Basically, Anchor. I, all the places are in the description box, so subscribe there. And lastly, uh, if you're a new host in the LA area, After Buzz, it's no secret, has been a home to me for almost the better part of a decade. And so if you are looking to get into hosting, they're a great resource. I encourage you to check out them, After Buzz TV. Uh, and last but not least, shout outs to at Bonjour Juliet. Uh, that is her Instagram handle for Juliet Viber, who is my producer, and Tony B. Tony underscore for Anthony Becerra for uh, helping me put together these videos. And of course, big shout out to Lauren LaGrasso for joining me today. We'll see you guys next week with another one of my lessons.